1: All I can really add to that is if, if he threatened to eat me like he did with your Mina, I would just sprinkle myself in salt and pepper. <laughs> Talk in, big man. You've earned it. <laughs> How do you want me, Emmy? <laughs>
0: this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast.
1: you Coleman a little dink into the middle. Hoorah! As soon as I'm obviously on the pitch, I'm just, um, you know, at my happiest. I never win something for Portugal national team, but I win tonight. <laughs> I don't know he can't take it, can
0: he? He can't take it. He just can't take it because we've out him, we've out him. I'm
1: so glad. Something uh, unbelievable uh, in my career. Uh, something that I that I deserve.
0: Playing international football. You're playing international football. Control the bloody ball. Pass it and move to your mates. And if you lose it, run back.
2: And run back like you care. Gareth Southgate has the last laugh. And poor Jack Grealish. The football equivalent of sticking your hand out for a high five and pulling it away at the last second. You ever hear the saying, you only sing when you're winning? Have you? I have. (laughs) (laughs) Gareth Southgate only treats Jack Grealish like shit when they're winning. You know, when they need him, he calls on him. As soon as they're winning again, bang, he's gone. 36 minutes was all that Jack Grealish was given. On in their moment of need. And then can't be trusted as soon as they're back in front. He couldn't get at Denmark. He couldn't be trusted to get back or keep the ball better than the other boys who had 115 minutes in their legs and Grilies really didn't even play a second against Ukraine. He was good to go for another 15 fucking minutes. And Southgate, who has been so methodical at sharing out the minutes with an eye on the long run, I assume, he sacrificed that policy just for one last chance to stick the boot in on our Jackie boy. England in the Euro's final, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but that was a strange one, right? Like, you know, come on. I'm not... This isn't just... I know we're on the Villa podcast, but that's not just Villa by us talking. That that was bizarre. Carry on.
1: Yeah, but, like, nothing surprises me with this twat anymore. I mean, imagine allowing that to become a game for 12 minutes in the second half of extra time. And, look, again, it worked, so we... We can be sure of what he's done, it's worked. We can't be sure of what I believe because we didn't and almost certainly never will see it in practice. But in theory and in principle, keeping the ball and imposing yourself on a game is a better way to see it out. Denmark were done. They weren't involved in the game for 40 minutes and Southgate just threw them a lifeline. I mean, it only takes... One ball dropping out of the sky in the general vicinity of John Stones. A slip, a spank from 30 yards. a Pickford, Like scoring a goal can seem so easy and so needless. So keep the ball. I mean, we saw how easy that was in the last three minutes. Denmark were done. They wanted to go home. Keep the ball. Keep Grealish on. Keep control.
2: A lot of it just comes back to the the idea that he, he can't do the defensive work that would be required as well which wasn't required as we saw like Denmark were dead in their feet like you're touching them. and yeah he would have been a better option going in the other direction but he can still like I don't remember Sterling having to come into his own half in that second half of extra time like you know and even if he had to Grealish can do that he was doing that for 36 minutes he was in his own corner at one stage trying to guide the ball back out of play like you know he Anyway, like we can talk all day about that, but there is a got an interesting tweet from from Tom Cassidy. He said, "Looking forward to hear what the Villa podcast has to say about Greenish being subpar, being a subpar sub who was subbed, basically is what he said." He, yeah, he, he wasn't
1: amazing when he came on, was he? No, and he didn't do anything in the in the in normal time until the ninety sixth minute when he it's lovely from Jack. He picks out his man, the man he wants, and then. That man just ankles the ball in the wrong direction, (laughs) but it it was the first thing that Jack did in twenty minutes, and he was subdued. But he was still, he was still carrying a threat. He had still turned the game. Like the game had swung in England's favor not that long after Jack Grealish came on. And whenever Jack Grealish is on, Sterling's better. Kane is better. Foden, Grealish, Kane, and Sterling just dominated the game, and there was no need to sub him back off. It certainly wasn't because of his performance. It was just because of Gareth Southgate's philosophy and views on life. He's just a depressed man, I suspect. I mean, to want to just rein that in, England were destroying them, and Jack Rudis was definitely a part of that. But yeah, he was—he wasn't his normal illuminating self.
2: But whatever about his philosophy, like you know, if he wants to do that when they're ahead with fifteen minutes to go of extra time, I can—I can understand that. I—I I still just can't fathom the idea that. It wouldn't be better to bring off Sterling or Kane or Phillips or you know somebody else. You want to get an extra defender on, like you know, Grealish can still stay on. It isn't the only option, and you know I don't like using the word agenda. I think it's a it's a loaded word these days, but it's you know it's hard to it's hard to overlook that now at this stage. Like Neville said afterwards on ITV, and so it's, it's all confirmation bias, and again, like you know, we can't sit here and whinge about England. Advancing every single round all the whole way to the final, um. But he he said, you know, playing Phillips and Rice the whole tournament, and a lot, of, a lot of people didn't want that. But I can't. I'm paraphrasing, but it was essential they had to play for England to get this far. And it's sort of going back into what you're saying. Like we we don't know. We haven't tried it another way, and that seems to be Southgate's whole thinking around Grealish and stuff as well. It's just like, yeah, I'm not going. To, I'm not prepared to find out.
1: Yeah, and that, that's that's definitely true. I mean, I don't think people fully appreciate just how talented this squad is. And you can play, you can play Rice and and uh, sorry, Rice and Phillips and get and yeah, you can get away with it. You can keep winning games, but they're also being outplayed by Denmark for large parts of that game. I mean, Denmark yeah. are no big shakes, and. You think about the golden generation between 2002 and 2008. That team definitely did underachieve, but they were also beaten by some bloody good teams. The back four was incredible. The current one cost 250 million, and the fullbacks, all six of them, are brilliant. <laughs> I mean, when you list list off the, the golden generation players. It sounds a lot better than when you consider the structural problems, both in terms of the culture of how football was being played and the shambolic use of those players. And the only. They only moved towards sorting out the Lampard and Gerrard issue when they brought in Hargreaves behind them. But even then, they were too similar, too swashbuckling, too roy of the Rovers. You know, Pick one, pick Gerrard and play him with Schools and Hargreaves. Just grow up, make the call. You're on 5 million a year. You can have a midfield of Gerrard, Schools, and Hargreaves <laughs> Sven, for fuck's sake, Jesus Christ. And their wide players were variously Beckham and either Joe Cole or Paul Scholes. Sure, there's more pace in a fucking Stanley Kubrick film. And- <laughs> The, the current crop don't have these problems. They have an unbelievable blend of talents and skills. Like There's eight of them that would cost between 75 and 150 million pounds, going for four positions. The, the golden generation we're bringing on, and even starting, Emil Heskey, Kieran Dyer, Trevor Sinclair, and Darius Vassell. <laughs> Darius Vassell? <laughs> and to be fair to Southgate, he's, he's not falling into the trap of shoehorning players in. He's fostered a great team spirit. But he's also not having to turn to Rice right for to change games. You know this. this team is unbelievably talented. The issues around Rice and Phillips. You can you can think of different ways to play. They definitely have problems in the, in their goalkeeper and in their midfield. But you can sort those out by thinking of different, more interesting ways to play. We avoid a shadow a doubt, He's definitely got the players. He doesn't. It's not essential to play, to play those lads
2: probably the end of the golden generation or towards the end anyway but i did happen to watch extended highlights actually today of germany england in 2010 world cup matthew upson's playing <laughs> and you want to see the state of him for the first goal fucking terrible defending but um he actually scored in as well <laughs> i was like i can't believe this guy's playing and then it was him who got the goal uh, it was actually, it was Milner and Gerrard on the wings that day with the foe and Rooney up front. Like, <laughs> it's just like no thought put into anything. Like, let's get Rooney on, let's get Milner in, let's get Gerrard in. Barry's good, so we'll play him now. Like, you know, but just no idea of like how this team will meld together. We'll just throw them out there and see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I, I look, but look, whenever you're saying things like, you know, they have to play Rice and, and Phillips, they're playing Denmark as well. Like, you know, let's not forget about that. I mean... Denmark made all five subs, and when Denmark changed half their team, their team gets bloody worse. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not fair that England can bring on Foden, Henderson and Grealish and then take Grealish back off again. <laughs> like, the options they have in attack are terrifying, and even when you compare that to the great France squad that everyone was riding before the tournament, France were bringing on Taliso and Sissoko and Turan. Giroud was coming on. It's yeah. just not the same level. Like England have some concerns at goalkeeper and centre midfield, but they can sort that out with different, more interesting ways of playing and different personnel, like I say.
2: Well, they are through to their first final since 1966, so all my bitterness isn't going to get us anywhere, really, and it's not going to upset any English fan, I imagine. But in fairness to them, like they ramped up the pressure as that game went on. They finished miles stronger. They... They got ahead and then they kept the ball like real experts at the stage. There was like you know towards the very end it was like fuck they they had the ball for about three four minutes. It was brilliant. I'd imagine for an England fan as a neutral you're you're crying out for Denmark to to get the ball back, but they just didn't have the legs to chase him down anymore. Um, they closed it out when they had the so they deserve credit for that. And I'm going to say it, Harry Maguire, for a few minutes in extra time. Reminded me of Paul McGrath against Italy in USA 94. (laughs) You know, where the ball was just a magnet to his head. It was just fucking slab head every time anything that went in. He seemed to be taking up the whole box. And he would just head it away. And look, they, they probably deserve it in the end. But the reality is, they got there with a sterling dive. Then, the biggest sport in the world, refusing to use its own video technology again. Then a laser light is shown in Schmeichel's eyes. Then Kane misses the penalty that should never have been given. And he gets the rebound sitting up perfectly for him. I've never seen a rebound sit up so perfectly for somebody. If ever it was written, there it was. But, like, what? How often have we talked about this throughout the season? But what is the point of VAR if it's not going to overturn obvious errors like that?
1: Yeah, and you're leaving out the fact that there was also two balls on the pitch as well, just as the ball's coming to Sterling. I mean, yeah. it's just an absolutely shambolic moment in football and history. <laughs> it was never a penalty. He's fallen before the no contact happens. Yeah. It's a double whammy. It's a shambolic decision. It's just a shit show of incompetency from the two referees and the assistant referee. I mean, there's three of them in it. And let's be honest, Sterling is a diving, cheating little scumbag. But so is is Kane. Grealish dives. They're all fucking at it. I mean, 20 years ago was the time to crack down on this. All of us, the FA, UEFA, FIFA, we're all to blame. Commentators. Why do commentators call it clever whenever it's their own national players doing it? Like, I was sick of hearing Damien Duff being called clever for diving and cheating. But, you know, 20 years ago, we should have brought in retrospective action. Just automatic five-game ban for diving. (laughs) And they were obviously or I assume anyway, afraid that that could lead to questions around the integrity of the result if they were to punish someone after the game for something that they've profited from during the game. But do you know what? Cheating questions the integrity of the result. Diving to win a penalty, to win the game, to get to the final of the European Championship. Shits all over the sports integrity. But the worst of it all is, they then found the solution. They didn't even need the retrospective action anymore. They sat in their hands for 20 years and allowed technology to catch up. You can re-watch penalty incidents in slow motion, fast motion, normal speed. You have as many camera angles as you could hope and wish for. VAR was the solution. But when that solution is just being wasted on another Muppet watching the screen, too afraid to ask questions of his pal, then you're right. What is the fucking point? if they're not going to make that decision in a semi-final of the European championships in the hundred minutes, what, what is the fucking point?
2: Why does not just let his pal look at it again? If he if he's really is afraid to question him, like, you know, I, I, I'd imagine a good pal, a good friend of mine, I'd prefer him to say you've made a big balls up there. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it was me, I would change it immediately because you're changing the course of history right now with this, Terrible decision for a, for what was a non penalty. You know that that's what a good friend would do. <laughs> they
1: you know, tell you. Really they like tell you know,
2: do you want to just go over and have a look at it if you're afraid to say that you got it wrong? Just be like ah, you know, look, we've got time. Why don't you just have a look at it and then hope that he comes to the right decision having looked at it?
1: Yeah, like a true friend will tell you when you look stupid. A true friend will tell you never to go back to that barber to take those jeans off. You know. <laughs> A true friend will tell you to go look at your own stupid decision.
2: And like you mentioned, right, you mentioned a few people diving, a lot of people diving there actually. Um, there was one, and you can really sense the frustration. And again, like you know, there's loads of Danish players who dive as well. Let's, let's just take it in general now. Footballers dive, but Vestergaard was coming down the. It, it was England's right wing, and Kane was was away, and he, he just dived and won the free, and you could. You could sense how sick Vestigard was with it because he, he hadn't even touched him. He had just about gotten close to him. He actually tried to fight him initially and missed it. And then he ran up shoulder to shoulder. And before he even got shoulder to shoulder, Kane fell down and the ref gave the free. And Investigard turned and screamed and held his hands on his head. And, you know, the ref has his chest out then. Like, you know, don't you dare question me. And it's just like, I hope you watch that fucking replay. You're acting like a hard man now. You've made an absolute mug of yourself. And like, you know, it's, and, and and that's very frustrating. Like that, that takes two minutes out of the game when that happens. Everybody's up the pitch, kills the momentum. You know when it's, I, I the commentary of it. I'm watching the ATV commentary, and they're all saying that it's it's clever. That's what Kane does all the time. They're not saying <laughs> they're not saying dives all the time, but they're saying about how clever he is. And uh, to be honest, though, I still even even after the fact that Sterling obviously bought it, I'm still wondering why Vestigard and and Matley, how do you pronounce that? Melee? Like, mm-hmm. why are they jumping in? Like, like m- madmen. There are loads of people in the box. Sterling has taken a heavy touch back towards the byline. And they're all just chopping and swinging at him for... I don't know why. I, I, can't, I can't explain what they were so panicked about.
1: Yeah, well, that's what Raheem Sterling does as well, to be fair. He causes panic. He causes consternation. He's so quick. He's so nimble and... There's absolutely. You mentioned that there at the start. There was no way he was ever going to get brought off. He was absolutely amazing in that extra time, and yeah, he causes he causes that panic. But again, like I've said it before, know your players. You can't dive in there because you're either going to foil him or he's going to dive. Yeah, you just you can't afford to tackle. And the tackle, you're right, is pointless. Sterling's going nowhere. He's got three defenders around him, three purported defenders. <laughs> Fucking defend. <laughs> Well, after
2: six games now, we finally called one thing, right? And that was England should drop Jordan Pickford for the semifinals. The big question is, do they drop him for the final now? Like we said it was coming. It came and it came. And now it's here. It's live. It's a real thing. And England are in their biggest game since 1966. And you've got Jordan Pickford running around like a loose cannon in the goals.
1: And my god did it fucking come Jordan Pickford, he, he has to go. <laughs> the, the two lads have only a cap each, but I don't give a fuck. Play Harry Maguire in nets. I mean, Pickford he got away with it two or three times tonight, but it was Orion Nyland levels of incompetence. Oh. And it was it was Champions League's Loreus Carrius stuff. I mean he's had two absolute brain farts, two moments of shit in the bed, and those bed clothes are irrecoverable. I mean, he got away with probably in the space of 30 minutes across the two games, three absolute hoilers, And you can't be judging him based on the outcome, based on the fact he got away with it, based on the fact that the Ukraine lad tried to lob him by trickling it along the ground from 40 yards, <laughs> based on the fact that Braithwaite couldn't sort out his feet. Do you want your keeper getting away with things? Your goalkeeper? He rolled the ball to a Denmark player. and Straight after that goal that he couldn't get his little tiny dinosaur hands to. First thing he does, straight after the goal, his next touch was to play a ball to Breithwaite's test 30 yards out. I mean, Jesus Christ. Five minutes after that, diving through an empty box to punch a ball clear in the most dramatic fashion that you could possibly hope for. There was nobody within five yards of him, not even his own players. Fucking embarrassment. He's an absolute liability. Loose cannon is definitely the right expression to describe him. He looks like he's going to explode at any moment. He just cannot be trusted. And I I, I am actually really looking forward to the final now. I think he's our only hope of football, not coming home. (laughs) But it's a big fucking hope. It's a huge hope. Oh, it is. Like, England are...
2: Uh, well, England are definitely favourites, but yeah, that is that is such a real thing that's active in this game, and it might be over 120 minutes. Like, it's a, it's something that you can't get away from. Like, how nervous was Wembley tonight? And, like, when you have a keeper like that, imagine Amy Martinez was, was playing goals for, for England. Like, you like know, I'd say the nerves in that stadium would be, ha- like, 50% lessened. Like, the, every time it cut, there was just, dozens of fans with their hands literally in a prey act over their mouths every one of them were all shitting themselves and it's and that feeds through like it feeds through from the keeper to defenders to the rest of the stadium and like you're saying about like Jordan Pickford exploding I still can't believe that none of the players have exploded at him yet I remember one time in those six games where Harry Maguire was getting on to him for for not coming out quicker you know when Maguire having to Track back an extra forty meters than he than he should have had to. Like Can't. there was one stage today, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was McGuire or Shaw, or I think it was both of them. Denmark were coming down the right, and they were trying to cut inside. It was brilliant defending, like it was very it was very simple, but they just forced them further and further outside the box as Denmark were trying to cut inside. Somebody probably Braithwaite because he was doing it all night just took a a mad shot with his left foot, and it went about. 40 yards wide over the bar, like it was, it was never like the shot was never on, there was no angle, he was under pressure. Good defending, and Pickford turns around and roars at them and makes like, it you know, again. But, like, what the fuck are you talking Like, you know, if because it's Pickford, you're angry anyway, but if you had done anything wrong, you wouldn't accept it. But you've done everything right here, and you have this bonehead in the goals shouting at you for, for nothing, like. Do, they're going to come down to pitch at some stage, and when they do, you want to deal with it, and that's exactly what they did. I just, I, 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 can't get my head around really good defenders listening to that for another game. Well,
1: they know they can't explode that Connor He's too fragile. I mean, it it just wouldn't work. It would be completely counterproductive. You just, you just have to let him try to ease himself back into the normal reality of the world that everyone else is operating in, <laughs> instead of just bouncing off the walls. If you, if you, if you roared him, it's over. It's done. I mean, he knew tonight so many he was all over the place. You could just see I, I was getting nervous watching him and I fucking hate him. I was feeling I was beginning to feel sorry for him. I mean, you're talking about Emmy Martinez. Imagine if he was there for another tonight, you could but you could see the contrast and I fucking hate Casper Schmeichel. The Casper Ca- Schmeichel has been an arsehole on so many occasions, the yeah. Aston Villa players. But the absolute contrast between him and Jordan Pickford, and it's not like Casper Schmeichel is particularly calm. Casper Schmeichel is a bit of a loose cannon as well, but in a good way. In a way, you want your goalkeeper to yeah. be a little bit crazy. And even just the, the, his, more, his play as well, it's just, it's just a lot, lot calmer on the ball. I mean, England from the 10th minute, from the moment Pickford infected the squad, they were a shambles. <laughs> I mean, Denmark absolutely dominated the next 25 minutes of the game and got their goal by zipping one past the T-Rex. But the to be fair to the England the out, the outfield players responded well they got a little hectic a little ragged still you know trying to come down from the Pickford but <laughs> and like Denmark ended up having a few moments but that's okay because England needed to do something and they did and they, they scored the goal and then they settled down after that but Jesus it was a really dodgy 25 minutes and it wasn't just from Pickford it was because of Pickford like yeah. the whole squad had just turned alright we'll see you after this
0: We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast.
1: Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to League United.
2: The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Teru Ming's all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's like if you. He's
1: uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like what of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not, it's not, he's not that type of player. It's not in nice his game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster.
0: I just quite enjoyed the hopelessness of the, the grief with it. those was the, still ah, there. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway.
1: Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're, they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. The, the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit.
0: They're not either. They're not shit. I mean that was great That did have everything Only downside Those Brummie accents though Really go through you Don't they
2: Two new categories Liam Oh To celebrate our 50th episode Of the Villa podcast 50th episode
1: <laughs> Fucking hell
2: Well done Did you think We'd make it this far Didn't think I would Make it this far Neither did I To be honest <laughs> Between, between an aneurysm and just not being bothered <laughs> or getting angry at me.
1: Yeah, three months of Jack Reedy's being injured. That was the that was the real tough spell.
2: <laughs> anyway, enough self-indulgence. Uh, first new category. The John Walters Arse in the Corner. Best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and there's only, there's only one nomination here. And I think you know what it is. It's Emmy Martinez, Gaiden, Argentina. To the bloody Copa America final. This guy wasn't starting for Argentina until a couple of weeks or a f- couple of months ago now. At this stage, like this is um, this is just a hero. This is a guy who was playing for Arsenal subs for <laughs> was playing for Arsenal reserves for a decade. Comes to Villa, turns out he's one of the best keepers in the world. Then finally gets called up to the Argentina squad. Then you know immediately starts making his stick to play as the starting keeper for Argentina. Then a few games later his Lionel Messi jumping over him in relief. Thank you like you can be the person who rescues me from international obscurity. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. <laughs> Too far. But like uh save three penalties in the in the penalty shootout against Colombia in the semi-final set up a set up a lovely final against Brazil on Sunday night as well probably early Monday morning. So if you're still out celebrating England winning the Euros then make sure you get back to watch Emi Martinez play in the final. Anyway the best thing I've ever seen Yeri Mina who apparently was being a bit of a dick during that game I didn't see it but there was a bit of back and forward of Messi who was over celebrating then at Mina missing this penalty coming up to hit it Emi Martinez in an empty stadium has sent him you're nervous eh? I can tell you're nervous. I know where you're going to shoot. Watch, Watch and see I'm gonna eat you up, <laughs> <laughs> and by God, he fucking eats him up. Goes to his left, saves it, jumps up, and shags the air with a, <laughs> with a big sex pump towards the towards the dog. He's actually forgotten about Yerimina now. He's not even rubbing it in his face. He's done with him. He's just he's just collateral. Emmy Martin is what a hero that guy is.
1: Right ah, yeah. What more is there to say about the big man? An absolutely incredible signing. One of the best first seasons in Villa history. Mm. And rightly rewarded with a call-up to the national team. I, I Actually, you said a couple of months there. It's actually less than five weeks after making his debut. He's the star of the fucking show. Of course he is, though. And all I can really add to that is if, if he threatened to eat me like he did with Jairi Mina, I would just sprinkle myself in salt and pepper. <laughs> Talk in big man, you've earned it. How do you want me,
2: Emmy? <laughs> <laughs> Fitting actually that Emmy Martin has won that category because the next award category is the Orion Island worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Take your pick, falling into your own goals, having caught the ball five meters out, or uh, no, it's definitely this one throwing the ball straight to Dioga, Diogo Diogo Jada. When you're trying to throw it out to the left wing and you throw it to the right-hand side of your box instead, straight to the feet of the deadly attacker for Wolves who somehow missed. Um, You mentioned Nyland earlier and it sent shivers down my mind. Actually, I want to get off it quickly because it's just not a place that any of us want to be. Worst thing I've ever seen. Alvaro Morata being chosen to go up and hit a penalty. (laughs) Come, Come on. He's just done something really good two games in a row, don't don't subject him to this. You know how this is going to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's insane stuff. I mean, everything about Alvaro Morata is an enigma. And I mean his career. I mean the, the 200 million of transfer fees. I mean the fact that Real Madrid, Juventus, Atletico Madrid and Chelsea are on his CV. I don't mean the man or the player. There's nothing remotely confusing about him. He's a bottler. He's made of water. <laughs> And that might sound harsh. It might sound out of kilter of the zeitgeist to be going after a man's mental toughness. But when you're talking about the very elite of professional athletes, when you're talking about the semifinals of the European Championship, when you're talking about a penalty shootout, mental toughness is the only thing that matters. And just while we're on it more broadly, I mean, the three three key mental aspects of football, decision-making and understanding... Bottle and composure and attitude and application. These are the distinguishing features between top-level performers. Like Most professional footballers are brilliant at the basic skills of football. The mental aspects are what separate Cristiano Ronaldo from Charles and Zogbia. They're, they're what allow Gary Neville to have a career. So when I say Alvaro Morata is a bottler, when I say soft, it's not toxic masculinity. It's it's not the Graham Sunes school of proper football men. It's me saying that Alvaro Morata is comparatively shit at football because he's missing a fundamental ingredient. It's me saying that Luis Enrique's position should be seriously under scrutiny for letting him hit a penalty.
2: <laughs> like did Luis Enrique look like he ever thought Morata was going to hit that penalty?
1: And not not for a second. Not he, he, there was fear in his eyes yeah. and there was joy in Mancini's eyes.
2: And and just the, the reaction was was of a man who knew that was going to happen and I don't know why he didn't intervene. Like, when when Murata sticks his hands up to say I'll have a penalty and I assume that didn't happen <laughs> then, then just say no, no, no like, you know like, we we'll get to you like, you know <laughs> you're down you're down in the Chiellini list <laughs> you know, like the way he looked you're right like all these footballers can bury penalties that's why we see people literally like, lift the net sometimes when they put it like they bury it so tightly to the top corner that it's going up still as it hits it. Like, they can all do that. It's just the ones who can do it under that pressure. That's the beauty of penalty shootouts, especially when you're not involved in it. You're just sitting sitting watching it on your sofa, but Morata is not the man for it and especially the tournament that he's had, especially what was going to be a deciding kick then, like there were two kicks left, one for Spain, one for Italy. Like, he needed to be taken out, saved from that. Go up first if he really wanted to hit one, or tenth, because like that, that, that should have been the two options. You know, we might have been feeling good after the first one. Doesn't really matter. he missed like they did missed the first one anyway. Italy missed the first one. It was fine. You know, it's it's um just just a catastrophe. That he was that he was lined up like the whole narrative has been Murata being a choker. Murata being shit all of Spain on Murata's back, and a couple of good goals probably eased that for a few minutes each time. But like, you know, you, you know, you know how this works. Like, you, you've seen the story written. Murata should not be in that position.
1: Yeah, no, he absolutely shouldn't be. And this thing you always hear every time a team gets knocked out is like, you know, penalties are penalties are a lottery. Penalties are not a lottery. Penalty kicks test to a small degree, all right, technique. But like I said, it, techs, it tests your technique under pressure. Yeah, They're testing very important aspects of football. The team with the most players, with bottle, wins. And people make the mistake of thinking because it, it often comes down to a keeper's guessing correctly. That that makes it a lottery. But they're forgetting that no professional footballer, like you said, should miss a penalty. Every professional footballer can put the ball within one or one and a half square metres of the top corner. And no professional keeper can get to that unless he goes preposterously early. And to then you just roll it on the other side. <laughs> but nobody on the field should miss a penalty unless you introduce pressure. And when you introduce pressure, people completely miss hit the ball. People hit penalties two foot off the ground, two yards to the keeper's side. Losing an a penalty shootout isn't the lottery. You're in control of it. The team that handles the pressure the most wins, and like I said, handling the pressure is fundamental to success in every domain of professional sport. And I get that they're they're a bit galling; they don't seem like they're part of the same sport. But penalty kicks are something that happen within the sport. Football is a team sport, fair enough, but it doesn't they don't test that. But neither does say a penalty score during a one 0 victory in a match,
2: yeah.
1: and during a team game. You can get a penalty while running away from the goals with a crowded box behind you. You can get a penalty for a dodgy handball. It doesn't always reward good play or punish a team for preventing a goal-scoring opportunity. You can get a fucking penalty for diving. And even though there's no teamwork involved, in the individual moment, you're still testing the individual skill of most of the team in shootouts, the majority of the team. And in a match, you you can isolate hundreds of moments during a game, where the importance of teamwork is essentially a zero, you can isolate ten seconds of Messi running from the halfway line to score and approximate the contribution of everyone else in the team to zero. Nobody else was involved in Simon letting a fifty-yard back pass slide under his foot and into the net. It was Stan Petrov versus Roy Carroll when he when he lobbed him from fifty yards. Like individual moments, very often decide games. And when 120 minutes doesn't provide enough opportunity for individual moments to separate teams, then just use 10 more. 10 more individual moments of absolute heightened tension, finding out who's got the ball. Penalty shootouts are not a fucking lottery. They're amazing.
2: Perfectly simple. Harry Kane tonight. Harry Kane, every time, just drills the ball to the left off the side of the net. And there he tries to go right. He doesn't even get anywhere close to the side. It's, it's not open anyway. It's going into the ground. He said he actually to tried to lift it. Like you know, how bad was that that he tried to lift? Harry King mm-hmm. can strike a ball where he wants, and yet he can't lift it when he has to lift it. And Schmeichel just rolls across. And Shmichael really should have caught that.
1: And it was- oh that's disappointing <laughs> disappointing alright yep. but exactly and I was giving it the big one beforehand I was like there's no way he's going to miss Harry Kane isn't going to miss this he's just going to roof it and then he hit one of the worst penalties I've ever seen yeah. it was so far from the post and just trickled along the ground it was diabolical and that was Harry Kane
2: questions we can't answer but probably will talking about Harry Kane, why did Kane stop the ball coming through to Grealish in the 94th minute so he could bambi over the top of it? (laughs) Like that gif, you know, of the horse falling over the gym ball. Like, like, sitting up perfectly for Grealish's right foot, starting to cut in from the right-hand side, got it to the edge of the box. Well, it was supposed to go to the edge of the box. And Kane cuts it out brilliantly and then starts falling over the ball and, and manages to poke it back outside to Phillips or some shit like that.
1: Yeah, and you could just see Grealish was so pissed off but also just so confused. (laughs) This doesn't normally happen for Jack Grealish. We just let him have it, but yeah, Christ almighty, yeah, Kane has to step over that. It's terrible. There is
2: something about Grealish there. Like, yeah, he wants them playing it simple. He do not want them trying too hard. Uh, Trying too hard, but like, he's still greelish right the The reason for him coming on everybody knows it is to is to to, to take the game by the scruff of the neck like he, he I, even though he's playing with England he's playing with better players and I know he gets the ball less often but he's starting to get it more now when they all realize that he's uh he's their best player like he needs he needs to just start treating that like he's still playing with villa I really, I need to take this ball and make something happen because that's the only time he's introduced into the game when something needs to happen. So I like you know a couple of times there and maybe it doesn't get noticed as often, like he he just turns in the centre circle and takes out two men with it and then England they're away. And like you know it might be an two, three more passes before there's a shot or whatever. So Grealish might be forgotten at that stage, but it's like that chance doesn't happen without his ability to turn and run and take out men. And the one he teed up for Sterling, who ballooned it over, like he's just carrying it and carrying it and carrying it into the box before poking it back. Like, yeah, that's what he does. But he needs to just do that more. Like, maybe, maybe no, I'm not even going to say that. Maybe I'm just too invested in him. Like, that's what he's brought in for. Like, you know, you want them to take that risk. He doesn't need to be playing it back or keeping it simple. Like, you Southgate already doesn't like him, so he doesn't need to worry about that. And he doesn't need to play it safe. I just wish that, I just wish that he would be the Grealish of Villa more often. I know he is most of the time, but you know it wasn't tonight.
1: Yeah, but Grealish can't do anything. He can't be any more decisive if if Harry Kane's just running along the top of the ball like a fucking mouse in a trap. He's he's gotten <laughs> away. Grealish can't control that.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough, and he can't control Hurricane running out to left back, which Gary Neville suggested that he needs to do that more often though against Italy. Not not left back; he needs to play more like he does against, like he does for Tottenham. Come out, and and like as, as if that will drag Chiellini and bonucci with him. But that was that was a uh, that was Gary Neville's suggestion.
1: anyway. Well, look, England's first goal—it it finally came. Uh, any
2: goal in fairness to Hurricane?
1: Yeah, and like, the gold returned for Harry Kane first, and then the whole bloody system is flourishing. Kane is dropping into the hole, not left-back. He has runners, and they're bloody brilliant. And we have four days to mentally prepare for ourselves for England winning the Euros. And it's all just falling into place now.
2: Second question we can't answer. Why have England stolen Aston Villa's trademark victory song, Sweet Caroline? Don't like this. Don't like the idea of everybody else in the country singing it and loving it and and you know, being recalled like a recalling those great times and associating them with that song. No. It's associated with Aston Villa, Wembley, two thousand and nineteen.
1: Promotion. <laughs> Well, oh, look, people are going to have to bloody get used to it. Just going to have to get used to seeing Villa win as well. The boys in the 19 wasn't the last time Villa won, Canon. It's going to be a glorious season now. And we're going to be blaring out Sweet Caroline after every fucking game.
2: Last one. Will you join me in giving Gareth Southgate some credit? Hear me out. Like... You know, we know that they were the pre-tournament favourites. We know they have a backup player, equally as good in every position, apart from Kane, probably. But sometimes the most important thing for a manager is to not fuck everything up. Just facilitate the momentum and the talent that you have. And I know he has ridiculous talent. And he might have done things a lot differently than what we would have done. But obviously he didn't fuck it up either. And they're in a final.
1: And yeah, look, I I was trying to, I was trying to touch on this at the start. I mean, he hasn't fallen into a lot of the traps that previous managers have had. They haven't had as good of squads as Gareth Southgate has. A, the Gareth Southgate squad is ridiculous, but we don't need to keep saying that. Everyone accepts that now because there's a lot of managers who have good squads and they don't win things. You know, it, it happens at Barcelona. It happens at Real Madrid. It happens at every big club. And Gareth Southgate is going to win things with this England team. So you can't argue with the results. You absolutely cannot argue with the results. You can't argue with the harmony he seems to have in the team. You can't argue with, with the way he's gotten certain players playing. But you can definitely argue with the way he's decided to win. I mean, I don't think it was very inspiring. I don't think looking at that talent that he's got. That this is the way many other top top managers would have chosen to try to win. Everyone else would have just been falling over themselves at the talent. The idea of trying to fit Foden, Grealish, Mount, and Sterling all into the same team. But do England fans care? Will they care? Of course they fucking won't. Tournaments only last seven games. You can you can put up with just waltzing your way through the group stages and then grinding out three difficult results. Along the way. And they won't even think of it that way. They won't remember how shit it was against Ukraine. They beat them fucking 4-0. You know that's not going to matter. And the memories when you're going back. And most of them are drinking enough anyway. That they're not going to have any fucking memories. Except for the good nights out that they had. They're not going to remember the turgid displays. They're not going to remember Heberg Out playing them for 35 minutes at Wembley. That stuff doesn't matter. England got through. They ground it out. They convinced all the brilliant players that they have to get behind the ball and just to be doubly sure of that they whipped off on their brilliant players and put on a right back you know that's that's the type of thing that Gareth Southgate's doing and it's bloody working so fair fucks to him
2: yeah I guess that my biggest criticism of him was based around the idea that they wouldn't be able to do this he won't get away with not picking his best players or not playing front foot football against the better teams but and it has turned out that like you know I, i'm not taking away from them whatsoever because like the competition is the competition and the better teams have gotten put out but it turns out that they haven't had a play france or portugal or belgium like you know, the teams i thought yeah they, they'll they'll make them pay for that they won't get away with that then like that's that that's a different kettle of fish but they didn't make it that far so fuck them england did and southgate did so it doesn't really matter. Like It's it's all relative. And they're now in a final. And if they beat Italy, Italy are a damn good team. And yeah, they'll, they'll have obviously earned it.
1: Yeah, Italy are a damn good team with nowhere near the quality that England have. Yeah. So that will be an interest. And that is definitely an interesting contrast. I mean, Mancini has nowhere near the players at his disposal. And some of the Italy players, I think 85% of the people watching the tournament will never have heard of before. Spinazzola was an absolute revelation at the start of the competition. I'd say most people who didn't watch Roma versus Man United in the Europa League semi-final hadn't heard of him. I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hadn't heard of him before because they would never seen Roma play. <laughs> and that's for another podcast.
2: <laughs> Probably Sunday when we're trying to distract everybody from England winning the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> but enjoy this one England fans, um, Irish fans I don't know what to say to you. Let's just Let's just accept it i'm sure we can all take comfort in the fact that my sweepstake is going to come in so every cloud has a silver end and we <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sharing it and we will see sunday so all the best keep well until then oh it's coming home